and MLM Rebel is a new breed of network marketer, smarter, truly independent, and free. MLM Rebels wage war against the soul-sucking corporate world and against networkers who would rather preserve doctrine than helping people get results. MLM Rebels recognize when the world changes and changes with it. MLM Rebels don't believe in duplicating things that no longer work and would rather work without a safety net than within the confines of one. MLM Rebels are only involved in opportunities that give everyone an equal playing field instead of a top-heavy one. We don't care about the sacred cows of MLM, we don't care about the industry, and we do not care about the way it's always been done. We care about people following their gut. We care about people being able to quit their jobs now. We care about people being with their family instead of their boss every day. We care about people being with their family instead of their team all day. We care about people living free. We believe a truly free networker has multiple streams of income. We believe a truly free networker's creativity isn't shackled by their company's contract. We believe a truly free network marketer actually knows how to market and that they run their business like a real business. MLM Rebels prioritize faith, family, business, sacrifice sacred cows, build their own empires, never rebel against each other, and change the world. MLM Rebels know they are not confined by doctrine, not stifled by the past, and know they are one business away. My name is Zach Spear, and welcome to MLM Rebels. Hey, what's going on, guys? Zach here. Hope you're having an awesome day. Hey, I've been having some questions recently. I've actually inside of our own team of people that want some help with closing people. And when I say closing, this is what I mean. If you are good at maybe getting a prospect to the point where they should probably sign up, but you don't really know what to do next, this episode is going to be for you. Okay, so. You know, however you're getting your prospects, right? Whether you're doing it old school or you're doing it like we teach you, doing more, you know, uh, newer strategies, you know, getting prospects coming to you, that kind of a thing, and you're getting on the phone with them at any point. If you're good at having the conversation, like the personal conversation, and then transitioning that conversation into business, that's really good. But where we see a lot of people get stuck is they can they have the personal conversation and then they can have the business conversation and then when the person the prospect is kind of needing to be led into the actual decision to join the business or buy the product that's where that's where people drop the ball a lot that's where maybe you're dropping the ball so that's what this episode is for so this episode is taken from uh, a call that we did actually last night with part of our team. So after uh, after the actual call, we did a kind of a secondary training where we talked about this exact thing. Now, in this exact uh, episode, we don't talk about the like tactics of overcoming objections and things like that. I do give you tactics on how to transition into the close. So that is in there. But more importantly for now is going to be the mindset that you need to have in order to close someone, in order to actually recruit them into your business. Because most people have a really, really screwed up mindset about closing, about recruiting, and about sales that needs to get fixed. In fact, I spent almost 10 years in corporate sales or that type of an environment before I really understood the mindset of closing. That's 10 years in corporate sales before I really understood it. And I was practicing. I was in it all the time. I was recruiting people in my MLM. But I really didn't understand what I'm about to share with you here in a minute. So, you know, after this episode, I'm going to start. I'll I'll do an episode here soon about the tactics of closing. Um, Before you listen to a future episode, you need to listen to this one first. This is the foundation. If you don't really own what I talk about here in a minute – 
no tactic will ever help. Okay. Now, once again, I do talk about a little bit of tactics here and how to actually transition into the close and start having that closing conversation and leading people through that. We don't necessarily go into all the objection overcoming and stuff like that in this particular in this particular uh, podcast episode, but this is the foundation. You cannot skip this. Okay. So, with that all being said, enjoy the show. Does anybody feel that like, or do you, do you know the scenario? You're good at getting a conversation going. Right? You're getting a, good, getting a conversation going, getting it to a certain point, but you have trouble getting people to pull the trigger. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you can just raise your hand mm-hmm. in your head if you don't want to like raise your hand on the screen. That's fine. But raise your hand in your own head. If you're good at getting the conversation going, you can generally, you can, you know, you've worked through the problem of getting past the personal conversation and getting into business, right? So you can transition from normal conversation into business. You can do that. But now it's like the person probably should move forward, but you're kind of just like waiting for them to like kick the ball over the line, right? Like if they say, let's go, you're like, okay, then let's do it, right? But if they don't, it's like, um, like, you know, I don't really know what to do, right? Or maybe it feels like it was their fault, but deep down, you know, that maybe there's something that you could have done. That's what I'm talking about right now. So blanket statement is this. Blanket statement is this, that if I'm not going to go through tactical strategies right this second, but we will teach you stuff over the coming weeks. That is super, super effective. Hannibal knows this as a really good sales guy. Once you get really good at closing, you can close people that probably shouldn't be closed. Hannibal, you know what I'm talking about? Like once you get good enough, like you can, like if you wanted to, you could close people that probably you shouldn't actually close them. I think he's talking to us, but his mic is not can't hear you, coming. Yeah, yeah, you got to do some Spider-Man's uncle there. What's the line? With great power comes great responsibility, something like that. Totally, man. Yeah, Ben Ben Parker. Um, yeah, absolutely. You got to be Spider-Man's uncle. So you get good, and yeah, you do have to exercise responsibility because some people like. You know, if you're going to completely destroy their financial life by closing them, like maybe you shouldn't. Or if this person is going to be terrible on either the team or with a certain product, but you know you can get them to say yes, maybe you shouldn't do it, right? So that's kind of an overarching principle. So I'm not going to get into the moral stuff about that, but just overarching principle means this is for people that you should actually close. Okay. All right. So now let's talk. Well, I only have two points to make. The first one is from a just logical perspective, why do you do it? Well, it gives you cash to operate, just easy, right? When I was um, 23 or something like that, I was, I'd already been in the dealerships for a little while, car dealerships, I'd come out of the dealerships, I'd gone into insurance for like a year or two, and then I got recruited uh, by the dealership that I was a part of, again, to go be a GM of a small, of a small, small shop, small dealership, okay? And when, uh, we, when, we were, when I was there, we, we did really good. And I remember when a friend of mine needed a car and the way that we did kind of the, the model for this particular dealership was we would basically locate a car. So you want a GTR in pearl white with red leather. We'll go find it. We'll charge you a premium, but we'll find it. So you don't have to, right? You want an M3 black with white leather. Okay. We're going to go find that car. For you. So we were a car locating service. Basically a friend of mine needed a car. We went out and found the car. I remember finding it, we bought it, 
brought it back to the shop, had it detailed, had to read whatever I needed, right? Now we're ready to sell it. Tell the friend, good to go. Hey, we got it. We're good. We bought the car at 15 grand. Obviously, it wasn't like a supercar. Call, call friends say we got it. Go to my boss. So I'm the GM. I can kind of call the, the, the pricing shots, but like I don't have full authority. Thankfully, I didn't because I got a really good lesson that day. Talked to the owner. Said, hey, dude, I'm going to sell the car to my friend. Think I'll mark it up like, you know, like 16000 like, you know, $1,000. He's like, what? He's like, no, 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 18. Like, it. no, this is like my friend. This is like a really good friend. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I know, I know, like 18. He's, he's like, what's, what's retail on that thing? Like, what's the competitive competition at? I was like, you know, like 18.5, 18.9, 19.2 or 19.3 or whatever. He's like, yeah, 18.5 is fine. 18, whatever. Give him nice, a nice discount off the competitors. Like, we're making three grand, dude, off of my, like, my good friend. He's like, yeah. I, I didn't, it feels kind of weird, dude. Like, it's, it's, it's my friend. We're making three grand off them. He's like, dude. And he kind of, like, pulled me aside. And he's, so he's obviously older than me. He's like, Zach, dude, we have to make money. And he's like, what happens if, if they take the car home? And in two months from now, a tire blows out or, 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 you know, whatever, something breaks in the car. He's like, do you want to take care of it as the deal? Like you as the dealership, do you want to take care of it? I was like, well, yeah. He's like, why? It's like, well, because no one, no, no other dealership would take care of that. But you know, we would make a good name for ourselves. It's like, exactly. So you take care of that. But what if two tires blow, they run over a nail and it blows out the other one or something, or they, they run over a nail and you have to replace the other one. That's going to cost that car like $800. So if we make a grand, I pay you out, right? I make 30% of the dealership's profit. I pay you out. We paid out $800 in tires. How much money do we make? I'm like, well, negative 200. He's like, yeah. How are we going to take care of them? Good point. Okay. He's like, plus, don't you want to eat, bro? I'm like, well, yeah. And he basically, he walked me through, like, dude, this money is to make sure that the dealership has cash reserves to take care of problems so we can make a good name for ourselves. This is for your cash. This is for my cash. Like this is so that we can make money, put food on our own tables and make sure that the business has excess cash left over to take us through bad months or stupid stuff that happens. It sounds so simple when I say it to you now, but this was like, this was a thing for me. I was like, this was a lesson. I was like, huh, this is a friend of mine. And now granted, I had been in sales, like, you know, how, what kind of sales are you really in when you're 16? But I had been in sales since I was like 16, like working in dealerships. I don't know who buy a car from a 16 year old. Most people did since I was 16. And I never really figured it out. I was just like, Hey, I'll sell the car for, for, for 25 grand and I'll get a commission check. Right. Or Hey, if I sell the snowmobile for 10 grand, I know that's better than eight grand. So it was like when I didn't see all, when I didn't see it happening, and I just got my check, like it, everything felt easier. But when I really saw what was happening, it became difficult because I knew where the money went, right? I knew that I bought the car. I wrote the check for the dealership for 15 grand. I put it out there and I'm receiving a check from a friend for 18. I, I really, I saw it, right? I saw the dealership's bills. Like this is a GM, right? I saw it. This is weird, right? It became really clear to me like we were making money off of people. Here's the thing that I had to figure out. No matter what kind of job you have, you're making money off of people already. If you're a data entry person, I know none of you are, but if you're a data entry person, you're making money off of people because someone in your organization is selling a product 
for more than they bought it for. And they're using the excess to pay themselves and pay you to do something to keep the company running because that person paid more than the company bought it for. No matter what role you're in, you're making money off of other people. So you have to do the work to remove it from your head that it's a bad thing to make money from people. That's where money comes from. In any job, you're making money from other human beings. They are taking their money, giving you some, giving you some money, and you're giving them something of value in any role whatsoever. So the first thing is just understanding that, okay, it is okay, and it's completely 100% necessary. You have, to, you have to do it, right? It gives you cash to operate. The next thing, point number two, is that you don't actually serve anyone. I've heard this. This is a complete load of garbage, by the way. If you've ever heard what I'm about to say, this is complete crap. In a sales conversation, if you do not close them, this is the lie, that you, you added value to them because you educated them in some way. Bull crap. I think that's a complete load of garbage. You did not add value to them because they didn't close, they didn't, there was no closure to the conversation. It's still open, they haven't taken action on it. If I have a conversation with a prospect and this person should be on the team and I don't ask for the close, now there's, again, tactics, we're not gonna get into that, but if I don't take the first step and ask for the close, but they learned a bunch about online marketing, and I didn't ask for the clothes and they don't enroll. I did them a disservice. In fact, I probably screwed them up a little bit and I definitely didn't serve them because they're gonna go on with their day and since they have no skin in the game, they're not gonna do anything. Think about back to high school. It's a classic example of the people that paid for their own cars, valued them more than the people that didn't. If I gave this dude something, he is not going to do anything with it unless he gives me something back of value. In a sales conversation, I, I, if you've never heard this before, it can be almost a little bit like um, offending. At least I felt a little bit like, like mentally offended. Like, what do you mean I didn't have value to someone if I didn't close them? That's exactly what I mean. See, when you close someone, a couple things happen. The first thing is that they start to pay attention. You probably heard the adage, I'm starting to itch. Probably heard the adage that those who pay, pay attention. Okay, same like the car thing, right? You're a kid, you pay for your own car, you pay attention to the car. You didn't pay for the car, you don't care as much. If you purchased a course, I'll give you an a perfect example. We're actually offenders of this in the past two days, three days. We got free tickets to a conference um, the, uh, uh, the past weekend. Someone paid for tickets, they had plus ones, and we got to retreat, we, me and Ashley used them. It was in San Diego, it was a 30 minute drive. It was a three day conference. We went to one of the days. Not three, one. Now, obviously, it's not, not to be totally truthful. It wasn't because uh, we didn't, it was just because we didn't see value in the things that were being taught on those other days. But regardless, we didn't pay for the tickets, so we didn't go all three days. And on the day we were there, I'll be totally honest and upfront with you. I probably, I don't know about Ashley, but I probably didn't pay as much attention as I would have had I come out of pocket for the money. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of the stuff didn't jive with us. In fact, there's some speakers that I was like, get off the stage. But there's a few of them that weren't like that. But even on the bad speakers, if, I had pay, if we had paid for the tickets, I probably would have sat there trying to look for something that I could get. Like, okay, I paid for these stupid tickets. I'm gonna learn something. But the truth of the matter is we had no skin in the game. You know, we, 
we went for free. You know, we drove down there, we had to pay for parking, and we bought food. And truthfully, I looked for reasons to buy food on our business card anyway. So really no skin in the game. We didn't pay, so we paid less attention. If you've ever taken a course that you got for free, you paid way less attention to it than the one that you bought, right? If you actually came out, right? First course I ever purchased, I remember, it was a I remember clear as day, it was a thousand bucks. And at the time I had to put on a credit card. And man, I went through that thing like a crazy man. Like every single word, I went through the, every, the exact order. I didn't skip nothing. And anything he said to do, I did it. Because I paid a thousand bucks on a credit card that I didn't, I couldn't use the money. Like I, it was like I had a $1,500 limit and I put a thousand of it on the card. So it was like nothing left over, but I paid attention. So those who pay, pay attention, okay? Now, subset number two. What happens if you don't close them? So I was on a call, sometimes I get, it's, it's not all the time, but I would say maybe a, one time every week or two. I'll get on a call with someone who is, 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 in that, is in that spot where you're like, I'm not 100% sure if you're going to be a massive, massive asset on the team. Or maybe you are, right? Maybe you just kind of, you're on the, you're on the, you're, you're not, you're not, they're not disqualified, but you're still kind of filling them out, right? And then you get to the point where, you know what? They would be an asset and you believe that. But they're kind of still shaky, right? So you've, you've gone, you, you've sold yourself on, yes, I should close this person but they're still a little shaky on if they should, you know, join or whatever, buy the thing. Now it becomes, is it worth going into this closing battle basically, right? Cause it's, a, it's not necessarily a battle, but you think of it like that for, for a brief moment, it's not actually a battle, but should I go into this process with them? Because this could take some time and they might say no anyway. So the, here's the thing that I ask myself, okay, what's their history? What's their history with whatever they're trying to do? So for instance, if they're trying to build network marketing and they've built it traditionally forever and they've never had real results, what's the likelihood that without me, now of course I'm acting, I'm acting like a closer right now, I'm not acting like a conceited prick, but in my own head, what's the likelihood that without me right now that they're going to magically switch and get results after this phone call? What's the likelihood if they do not do business with us What's the likelihood that something changes and they get results? The track record says zero. What's the likelihood it changes? It's pretty low. So without me right now, they're probably never gonna hit all the stuff that they told me they wanted to hit for the 30 minutes that I was trying to pull out their goals. They're probably never gonna hit them. So literally, if I don't help them make a proper business decision, they'll never do what they need to do. So I'm acting as a mentor to them before I'm even their mentor. Because I know what they need, I know what they want, I know their track record, I've been where they're at, and I know that they're on a road to nowhere, and they're not gonna get off that road. And if they keep going down the road, it leads, leads to a lot of pain. So their only, hope from, their only hope at this moment in time is if they do this. It's the only hope. So I am there to help them. 
Now, of course, it's their ultimate choice. And if they decide not to do it, that's on them now. But at least I did what I could to serve them. If they choose not to be served, whatever, right? Maybe they've got other things going on that are in their head. That's fine. But at least I did my part. Lastly, I want to remove the, I want to remove the weirdness about money, okay? Money is nothing more than a store of energy. If Ashley goes to work at a coffee shop and she works for, for eight hours and makes $10 an hour, she made $80. That $80 is representative as representation of her eight hours of work. So in that 80 bucks, it's simply a store of her time energy. That's all it is. There's nothing special about it. It's just a store of energy. When she puts it somewhere, it releases energy. So if I put this into my gas tank, I now have fuel for my car, and that is energy being used to go somewhere. If I put it into a course, right, I'm releasing energy to receive something back, receive some type of value in return. Money is nothing special. It's a modern day way to trade. So think of it as like if you were a farmer in biblical times, they had money back then, go further back when, they, when people were bartering, right? Or maybe even before that. If Ashley was a chicken farmer, <clears throat> you sold cows and I, and I made chairs. Well, I'm hungry every once in a while. Like I can't keep making chairs. And you need something to sit on while you hatch your chickens. So, hey, how about you give me a chicken, I'll give you a chair. Okay, that seems like a good idea. You know, I'm getting kind of sick of these, these chicken eggs and you have so many chairs, like, you want to like, you want to get some beef? So I trade a chair for beef and she trades a chicken for beef. And now we have cows. That was bartering. Then people got smart and said, hey, what if we had a unit of measure, like a coin, and we could have this central unit of measure, and this coin is worth a third of a cow, two chickens, or a chair. And we all basically attached a value to it. My chair is worth one coin. One coin is worth a third of your cow. One coin is worth two chickens. Okay, cool. So now I can pay for the cow, take the, or he, he can take the coin that I gave him and go to the neighboring town and get water buckets. That's how money started. Money was simply a store of someone else's energy. It's nothing special. So all you're doing is you're saying, hey, you want something of value from us, from me. I can give you the things that you're looking for, at least give you the roadmap, give you the guide to get it. But what you have to do is expend some of your energy, a representation of your energy. If you give that, I can give you the value. It's a simple trade. So release yourself that money is special. It's really not. It can be remade. Time can't. The last thing I'll say is this. When talking about rebels, it's really easy for us to justify the cost of rebels to someone. Even at the $3,000, $6,000, $7,500 level for some of the other packages, it's really easy for us to justify it. Why is that? Because we know what time went into go building that. We knew how much hell we had to go through to learn how to write copy effectively. We knew how much hell we had to go through to figure out a funnel strategy that actually worked and worked, worked consistently. We knew how much money we had to spend on ads to figure out this works there, this works there, this works there, this doesn't work there. We know, we know the amounts. 
right? We know how much money it takes to figure that out. We know how much time and pain it goes through, even when you're going at it full-time with ultra diligence. So I know that if you, with zero experience, try to do this, it's gonna take you way more than 1,500 bucks and way more than two weeks inside of a masterclass. It's gonna probably take you two to three years if you're smart and probably 50 to $100,000 in test ad spend, most likely somewhere around there. I know that. So you want the result, these are your options. So basically you can say, hey, I can save you two years for three grand or whatever. I can save you two years for three grand or you can spend the two years and actually more money. It just seems like it's less because it's over a long period of time. You can do that. You can save the three grand now, but pay for it over multiple years. You can either change the oil in your car now or, let the, or save your 30 bucks for the next two years and pay for an engine in two years. Your call. So remember, you're saving, you're actually saving people in most of these instances. If you're just trying to sell RX, right? You're trying to close someone into RX. The mindset is, not, oh, I'm trying to get someone on my team. No, 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 no. The mindset is, this person has a history of corporate America. And it is unlikely that they will ever free themselves out of it. And if they do get out of it, they're going to probably be stuck in some type of a trading hours for dollars situation. By the way, I know it might not seem like it, but info product sales, coaching, and most online businesses are trading hours for dollars. It's just more leveraged than you think. Or, or it's more leveraged than uh, a, normal, um, a normal trade, but it's still trading hours for dollars. For BTW. <laughs> I echoed there. That's fun. <clears throat> so, what was I saying? The art, like what you're providing. What, somebody that's been oh, in yeah, 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 job, yeah. when you're yeah. offering them Rx. So when you're offering them Rx, you're giving them a chance that they can potentially get out of that and never go back to it. And you're doing it in a way that is not the typical run-of-the-mill, like, call all your friends and family mumbo-jumbo, right? So if they don't do that, what does their life, what do their other options look like? Well, I'm either here forever, or I'm taking 5 million courses, not really knowing what I'm doing. And if I do actually hit results, like, I'm probably going to be trading my hours for hours there anyway. So that's what their life looks like. So offering them Rx and helping them make that choice if they should be closed, it's not a bad thing. It's the thing you should do. Anyway, um, I think that's basically what I wanted to cover. Does that, does that sound like I covered what I should cover? <laughs> Sweet. So obviously I didn't give you any tactics. I'm going to leave you with a book to go get. And um, this will help you get some tactics. Maybe over the next call or two, we'll actually go over these different tactics because you know, closing someone is actually not scary, you know? And in fact, for those of you that just need a little step over the edge, all you probably have to start doing to get that initial bump is just ask for the sale. We estimate our own personal sales that probably around 10 to 20% maximum, it's probably more like 10%. If we took 100% of all of our sales and recruits, only about, we'd only, get about 10% of them if we didn't ask for the sale. That means only 10% of people that purchase from us actually purchase like, laid, like what we call a lay down sale. They basically lead themselves through the process. You know, they get to the point where they say, how do I get started now? That's a lay down, okay? Only about 10% of 100% of our recruits and sales would actually get started if we waited for all of them to lay down. So that means you're leaving 90% of your potential recruits and sales on the table. 
the first step, probably to get from 10% up to 30 or 40% is by simply asking, hey, would you like to get, it's literally this, would you like to get started? That's it, you don't have to say, would you like to buy today? It's, so do you wanna get started, man? That's all it is, and, just, and then just, would you like to get started? And wait, that's it. And you could probably bump your 10% up to 30 or 40% just by doing that. The other 60, 70% is by walking them through the closing process, right? Overcoming objections and things like that. And BT dubs, overcoming objections is not a scary thing either. In fact, it's actually quite easy and it's not a different scenario every time. A lot of people get stuck on this one because they're like, oh, they hit me with this. Uh, what do I say? I could get a thing of something sneaky to say and like kind of get around it, overcome it, and then like boom and go for it again. No, incorrect. It's actually super wrong. Okay. You can do the same thing every time, regardless, mostly regardless of the objection, and just walk down further down and down and down the line until you actually win or until you find out that they're not closable. So it's not that difficult of a process. So in the coming weeks, we'll go over the tactics and things like that. But to leave you with some like things that you can do right now, if you uh, want to learn some of these tactics, I do not condone this guy's past, the gentleman who wrote this book. Um, it's a guy named Jordan Belfort. If your sound, name sounds familiar, he's the guy, the subject of the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, you know, I got a pretty decent like stomach, but like I couldn't even make it through the movie because it was just kind of like, you felt dirty, right? Like I just needed to take a shower. Couldn't even make it through the movie. Couldn't make it through more than like 30 pages of his like memoir, his book. He did some really bad stuff. If you don't know his story, really bad stuff, like screwing over a lot of people in you know, a long time ago. Then he goes to prison for a while and comes out. Seems like it seems that he has kind of like a mental rebirth. If you go look at videos or anything about him now, he looks like he's a very honest, like I'm okay with my past. I, you know, I, 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 I see it. I accept it but it's not me anymore. And I do things forthright. That's the way he seems now. Um, obviously I don't know him that well, or I don't know him at all. Excuse me. I don't know him. So I can't tell you like all that stuff, but I can tell you this. He's got a book called the way of the wolf or way of the wolf. It's basically a how to manual on sales. It's probably the best sales book I've read thus far, like kind of like a top to bottom sales book. There's lots of other ones you can get probably the best tactical sales book I've read. And everything is like beyond above board. So some sales books that you read and you're kind of like, mm, like, and, and the guy doesn't have a, and, and like the person re writing it doesn't have like a background like Jordan's, but you're still like, I don't know if I want to say that, right? Cause it's kind of like using like sneaky stuff or anything like that. The way of the wolf book doesn't have any of that stuff in it. And it utilizes kind of the overcoming objections scenario that I just gave you where you're not saying weird stuff. You're not trying to dodge and weave things. You're, hitting stuff head on, but it's not complicated. So I'd recommend getting that book if you'd like. Um, it's called Way of the Wolf. Very, very good. Literally, the way that we saw it is because we started talking to a really high-end high closer at an event that we were at. Ashley was talking to him about his different sales strategies. He recommends the book. Ashley buys the book. I'm totally unwilling to read it because it's by Jordan. And I think Jordan is like, you know, the scum of the earth at this point in my life. I'm like, no, this guy is the Wolf of Wall Street. I've seen part of the movie, scumbag. I don't want anything to do with it. She's reading it. She's like, this is really good. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Then one day we're in Mexico and I pick it up and I like, we're laying in bed and I start reading it. I'm like, okay, the first page is good. All right, the second page is not bad. Okay. 
I'm like 45 pages. I'm like, Ashley, this is good stuff. Did you know? She's like, I told you like a month ago. So anyway. And then the book literally went everywhere with him for like, until today, I think. It, yeah, it's in my bed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, was that good? Hopefully you got some good value out of that. As I mentioned, we didn't go super deep into the tactical side of things, but as you can see, if you don't have that stuff straightened and straightened them out in your head, like your, no tactic will help, right? You need to understand the foundation of what I just talked about. Now, remember, it took me 10 years to learn what I just told you. Now, because I didn't know it theoretically, I did. I didn't own it inside. So just because you heard it once doesn't mean that you own it, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a shift inside of you where you really believe everything that I just talked about. Like I really believe that, what I just talked about. I, I had like three little, three little bullet points of notes when I gave that entire, that entire talk to our team, okay? Three little bullet points. So it wasn't that I had notes on there. I really believe it inside. So listen to that multiple times, okay? Uh, go and learn about that, that philosophy wherever you possibly can. Understand that closing is a good thing. It's, in fact, it's 100% needed. Anyway, hopefully this helped you. Appreciate you all. If you found value in this, do me a favor. Go down below. Leave a review and a rating if this is helping you. That helps us, and that's uh, something that you can do for us. A lot of people ask, hey, what can we do for you? Now, that's what you can do is leave a review and a rating. Let us know what, 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 you, what you learned. It not only helps us get the message out to more people, but it lets us know that what we're doing is a good thing. So if you want to help us out, it's even more like for what you do for a physical business. When you go leave a five star review on Google Maps or you know on Yelp or something like that, that's what you can do for someone like us who has an online business and things like that. You can leave a review, and that would be fantabulous. So anyway, hopefully you have an amazing day. Talk to y'all soon.